Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Motor City Hoops. Today we'll analyze the Pistons' last two games against the Hawks and the Mavs, then we'll head into our 3-on-3 segment. From now on, we'll have weekly analysis of two, three players from our roster, their performances this year, and what we think their future holds. We'll dive into Kate Cunningham and then go around the league and talk about some of the hottest topics. Well, talk about hottest topics, Bryce. We won. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's a and pretty no, hot topic. And nobody liked it, Vlad. Everybody was pissed. Yeah, and uh, we beat the Hawks 186 in our first game of this week. Uh, a good win for us. I don't know. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What, what was your take on this game, Bryce? And what do you think this this win does for us? Yeah, I mean, I just it it, it, it was so it's so hard for me, Vlad, because fans were so upset after we won this game and I've I know I've listened to the everything Pistons with Lance our guy Lance Caparossi and Andrew and they were talking about it's like some other guy in Pistons Twitterverse was wanting to like he wants him to cut Frank Jackson because he's playing too well and winning us too many games and it's just I don't you know as a competitor as guy there's no way you ever go into a game with any I mean thinking you want to lose like you've never and and you know these Pistons players know it and so I just have a hard time getting frustrated about a loss my biggest takeaway not just from this game but the last few games as I've started to do some of these video breakdowns that we've talked about and shared on Twitter vlog is I love the chemistry Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart are starting to create in the pick and roll game you've mentioned from the beginning that was going to be Hayes strength Stewart has mentioned from the beginning it was something he needed to work on. I think we can see him growing. You put those guys in pick and roll. You put some shooters around them, and I think this offense can be in a really good place. Absolutely. And talk about I feel like expectations. I think it's something that we need to talk about because Troy Weaver said from the beginning they're not trying to tank, and they're trying to be as competitive as possible. And unfortunately for some of the fans right now, this is showing they're still trying to win some games. You know, they're not in full tank mode as far as, like, we're not trying to win at all. And arguably you can go, okay, well, Casey had no starters in the fourth. Well, then, look, Hamid Diallo had a good game. He had 14 points against the Hawks. And he comes after the games and says, I feel like the good thing about this team, from top to bottom, we can all play and we can all finish games. And this is something we talked about many times, Bryce, about the strength of the bench, the strength of our roster as far from top to bottom. Okay, we're not, you know, a caliber team, but our bench is pretty good overall. Yeah. I so mean, it's, you know, I mean, what, what do you expect? Like, we're not going to win, which is going to back out. Like, well, think about this game, Vlad. So Josh Jackson didn't play. So Sadiq Bey, who's been starting, but Sadiq Bey, who's coming off the bench early in the year, he started. Corey Joseph started. Wayne Ellington started. And we still had. 
32, 36, 44 bench points led by Hami, who kind of had a breakout second half, and then Frank Jackson, who has just been balling. And, I mean, I'm excited to see. Because, you know, here's the thing, too. I think sometimes people forget that some of these guys are young, too. So, you know, like Frank Jackson's only 22. He's only a few years into the league. So, this was a this is a guy that could grow with our young core. So I don't know why people are mad or upset about him getting minutes. The Joseph Ellington Plumley, I tweeted about it. You and I kind of went back and forth a little bit with a couple other people on Twitter. I understand maybe not wanting to see those guys play as much, but Frank Jackson, Diallo, those guys, they need to be getting minutes. Absolutely. And since you brought up Frank Jackson, who do you think does this game resemble? Because I keep looking left and right, and there's one guy that comes to mind, but I want to see what you think first. Oh, you kind of put me on the spot. I, I don't know. I don't have one off the top of my head. I'm, you give me give me, give me, me yours, and then let me see if something Jason pops in my head. Okay. I've, I, okay. I don't know why. It just every time, every time I see him play, it's like, it's just, man, that's but, like Jason Terry on the Mavs, like coming off the bench on their like good teams. Okay. I'm like, he was golden. I'm like, Frank Jackson can do that for us. Like, even if we draft the shooting guard, and we'll get into Kate Cunningham later, and we'll get into uh, performance reviews. I'm thinking Frank Jackson is that guy that we need off the bench. And we talked about needing Josh Jackson to off the bench and his energy. And, you know, whatever we're going to do with Stewart and Plumlee, uh, Seku. The more I watch this team, though, like Frank Jackson... I feel like he's the most reliable off the bench scorer because he can shoot the ball. Yeah, and so that's the key. I'm glad you said that, Vlad, because right now he's shooting a career best from three. He's shooting 40% from three, and he's never shot over 32% from three. So that's to me, that's the key. This is his third year in the league. I'm not saying it's not a realistic jump. I'm just saying... You know, if all of a sudden he falls back into 32% next year, we may not be quite as high on him. But if, if he's a legit 40%, 38, 39, 40% three-point shooter, then absolutely. I think he's that combo guard because he could handle the ball. He could play the on-ball. On you know, and again, we'll get into Cade a little bit later and later and how those would all mix together. But I think he's the perfect you know, maybe even third guard off the bench for you. Don't I mean, not off the bench, your third guard you know, coming off the bench. I feel like he's that guy like Jason Terry was. He can just yeah. cover so many positions on the floor. They can play in multiple lineups. You know, it's not like, okay, I can only play Josh Jackson with a certain lineup. I can only play Seiko with a certain lineup. And Frank is like, okay, I can do this, this, this. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned his three-point shooting. Bryce, it's already 34 games, just to mention. So it's not like a 10-game spurt, right? It's yeah, not absolutely. like Ellington had... You know, Ellington is a career shooter, but it's, it's not yeah. like you have like the hot one hot had. month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, he's shooting right now. He's shooting three point six attempts per game, and that's the highest attempt he's ever had too, in somewhat like less minutes than his rookie year in New Orleans. So to me, I think he just had that breakout as far as maybe he just worked on his shot a lot more. May, but I don't think it's like something that's gonna dip below well, like a thirty five percent. Well, usually whenever. Usually when your shot attempts go up, the efficiency goes down. So the fact he's shooting more is a good sign that his percent, you know, like you exactly. said, maybe, you used, maybe something clicked with mechanics, maybe something clicked with confidence. We talk about confidence all the time. And here's what I love. And you talk about his lineup versatility, which I think this team is just, you know, have has gobs of, of lineup versatility and, you know, it, and we'll continue with whoever we draft. But Frank Jackson got inserted into the end of the Mavs game. And whenever we needed a bucket late, and I thought that was a great move. I finally saw that that offense defense subbing for for Dwayne Casey, but it's great to have that guy. Okay, we sub you in for offense late in the game because you can space the floor, knock down a three. But again, that's him trying to win a game. So it's yes. so funny oh, yeah. that, like, I don't mind at all because honestly, Bryce, we've had bad luck with the drafts, and I feel like a lot of people are expecting us to be like sixth or seventh, and maybe it is our year that we're gonna get the first pick and. Um, I think since we're going to talk about Kate today, I, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you can put Kate on the floor with Frank and uh, Killian, right? Like, and we can put uh, Jeremy at the four. Like you like you like him playing at the four. So it was like it gives you so much versatility on the, on the floor. That, that's why I really love Frank Jackson. I hope he stays. Uh, it's definitely a steal. Uh, just one of the the steals that I feel like we had this year. And 
I feel like this breakdown is really the display or breakdown that we're going to start uh, doing this, this episode. Uh, it's really going to highlight the job that Casey and the, yes. the Weaver have done. It's unbelievable. I mean, when you look from top to bottom, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, I know you moved the Mavs game. The only thing I wanted to point out about the Hawks that was left was they were four for 27 from three. And I understand there was no Trey Young. Um and uh, quite a few of the guys, but still, I was pretty happy with that. But that's because that's exactly what we want, and we said that's going to be our trademark. And you know, you want to um, get up in the passing lanes, you know, want to contest shots and all this stuff. So it's it's really good. Uh, it's it was a good sign for me. And then uh, I know you mentioned the Mavs game, Bryce. So one fifteen, one hundred five loss. Um, the only thing I was really unhappy with it was just you let one player score 17 straight. <laughs> he went off. I mean, this is like just, and it wasn't Luca, and it wasn't Luca, and it wasn't Luca. And if it was Luca, I'd be still mad. It's it's come on, it's like defensive pride. Like we that's that's why I want to bring up the Hawks game a little bit uh, because you know there was some defensive pride, and right now you let a guy score 17 straight. Yeah, and I'm... you know who I have a problem with here, Bryce. Sorry, but. With Killian. Okay. Because we want him to be that guy. And I, th- I feel like he can cover multiple positions. So if he can play defense the way we think he can play the defense and disrupt point guards, that's the same way I feel like. Okay. No Jeremy. So like it's, it's different. But like I feel like you step up, right? Like, I mean, who, who, who can guard Hardaway at that point? Like, in, on that roster, really, like, Frank, I mean, who are we going to put on him? So, I feel like Killian as, like, the high draft pick and, you know, franchise sort of on his shoulders. I kind of expect that from a guy like that to step up and be like, all right, like, I can do this. Like, let me get him. Three possessions. So, I've, I've really been focused a lot on Killian defensively um, because there's been a lot of talk about him, his what, he, what he's able to do. And I even did a little bit of a breakdown um, for him as well. And I think right now, Vlad, he's more of a disruptor in terms of he's going to create steals, he's going to get in passing lanes, he's going to block some shots, as opposed to like a defensive stopper. And I don't know like if that makes sense to our listeners, but like I don't know that you're going to put him on the other team's best player and he's going to stop him from scoring necessarily. I think what Killian is good is very opportunistic. He's good with his hands, and he's going to create some turnovers and some disruption. But I don't know he's that he's just a set down and lock you up defender. So, okay, so what you mean he he's not really a ISO defender. Yes. He's more of like a help side. He can guard a pick. He knows angles. Yes, he can get he can get through a pick. You know he'll he'll get deflections. You know block shots on the weak side and stuff like yeah. that. Okay, that that makes a ton of sense. Um, and you know worth mentioning, man, Stewart and. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm speechless in many ways because he's showing why he was the number three prospect coming out of high school. Yeah. And the more I see him play, I'm like, how did we get this deal? Yeah. Like, to me, this is this is hands down a top five pick. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this some, is over Killian. So here's no. So that somebody did a redraft here a couple weeks ago, and it was a Pistons fan, and they kind of felt like they were being a homer. But in all reality, if you redrafted the 2020 draft vlog, I think you would draft all three of our guys in the top 10. Absolutely. And like I, I said, I think I would draft Isaiah Stewart. One. Uh, not, not number one, but the. Not Melo. Not, I, I no. would draft LaMelo first. I think yeah, you got to stick with LaMelo. Would, would you draft Isaiah Stewart over Sadiq Bey? I would. Honestly, I would draft Isaiah Stewart right behind LaMelo. He's got the most upside still, I feel like. Bryce, he, he's shooting 40% from three. I don't care if it's 0.6 attempts. He hit two huge ones last night in the fourth quarter, down two. I broke it down today on Twitter. Okay, if you haven't seen it whenever this episode comes out, go check it out on Motor City Hoops Twitter. Like, down two, two different occasions, under three minutes, and he calmly and confidently knocks them down, Vlad. Absolutely, and I want to make a break, break because we started uh, doing this video breakdown. I think that's great stuff, and you guys can see that on Instagram, Facebook. We post something daily. Uh, it it might not be from the the very last game on Twitter. You're always gonna get the latest updates. 
uh, on Facebook and Instagram. You're going to get one video per day mostly. But it's really good stuff. Uh, really, really, you guys should go check it out. And uh, uh, Bryce goes into some deep analysis over a, a, bu a bunch of uh, areas from individual players, from system, from uh, ball movement. So just please go check it out. It's really, really good. And uh, now to get back to Stuart Bryce, I mean, I'm shocked because, you know, I've always been, can he play, can he be a yeah. starter? And, yeah. and the more, I don't even care if he starts or not. I don't really, because I don't think he can play over 30 minutes a game. I still just don't think that he has that in him because of the, the how hard he plays. But the, the kid is a monster. I mean, it's unbelievable, Bryce. And uh, other than his free throw shooting is the only thing that you can point this year to be like, oh, okay, that's like he's shooting 67% from the, from the free throw line. Okay, not many attempts. So, you know, when he should won a game, it's not exactly um, uh, a ton. But really, Bryce, I mean, he's – I said it. His shot looked all right. You know, when, you, you called it from the remember. beginning. Yeah. And I was like, okay, he has a nice form, but I didn't really expect him to shoot threes this year. Like, I was like, okay, that's like year two, year three. But I feel like everything he does, and uh, maybe some, some, some young hoopers are listening right now too. This is a product that you see on the floor, and the way he plays on the floor is the way he practices. And because he practices that way, he's also getting better at a very fast pace. Yep. Very fast. <laughs> the, the, the rate of improvement on all of these rookies has been very impressive this year because a lot of times rookies hit the rookie wall. Now, Killian had the injury, so he had a chance to step back and take a deep breath. But the fact that Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart um, have shown the improvement that they have is really impressive. And Isaiah Stewart, I, I just love it. I just have to mention this before we move on. He's getting some national attention. Zach Lowe on ESPN Plus puts out his 10 things. Um, I think he does it every week or every few days. I, I'm not positive um, how often he puts it out, but Isaiah Stewart made that um, because, you know, and he just he just raved about Isaiah Stewart in his, uh, his 10 things article today. Awesome. That's really cool stuff. And uh, Bryce, but I do have a question for you. If you draft our guys right now, so we agreed, all three are going to go top 10. Yep. Which one's going to go off the board first, second, and third? Just in, in that order from our guys, Stewart, Hayes, and Bay. Stewart, Hayes, Bay. Interesting. And me, I'm the Hayes fan. I'll draft him third. And I think it's, uh, I, man, what, what Sadiq does, it's unbelievable. Which, too. which is which is crazy because I, I actually just broke Sadiq Bay's game down from Dallas also and loved because his offensive game, Vlad, I think is more than what people give him credit for. He's not just a somebody drives it and kicks and he's a catch and shoot he's shooting in transition he has that mid-range game i still i think this 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 was this is the reason for my answer i think we're already closer to sadiq bay's ceiling than we are isaiah stewart or hayes if you want to go with mm -hmm. the safe bet mm -hmm. and know what you're going to get it's sadiq bay if you're going for potential and what they could eventually become but there's a chance they don't it's hayes and then to a lesser extent stewart Okay, I, I can understand that. I also think Sadiq Bey has a higher ceiling than these. I think really it's that Chris Middleton stuff. If yeah. he can develop some of the some of the stuff that Chris uh, Chris can do and be a three level scorer. Yeah, that mid range game. Um, and uh, to let everybody know, next week we're gonna have Rashad Phillips yeah. on, on, a, on a special episode. So you guys are gonna find out more about position breakdown and also about a four level scorer. Yeah, I just uh, saw that too. You know, and. Those are Steph and those guys, you know, Steph, James Harden, and Dame Lillard. the guy that can shoot, Dame Lillard, yeah. <laughs> Logo Lillard, how did I forget about that? <laughs> uh, and that's something that I don't think Sadiq will ever have. Agreed. He's not going to get out of that range. But I, I think he'd be a three-level scorer where uh, he can do multiple things, uh, you know, that pull up and finish around the paint and shoot threes. So just to but, promote that episode a little bit yep. more real quick, Vlad, is – I'm tune into this because I'm fascinated to see. I tried to break down where players in the NBA are in Rashad's um, position dictionary, but I'm fascinated to see where he puts our players, where he has Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, Killian, and and where he thinks they can go. So I'm definitely tune in. Tell your friends he's fast. He, he thinks the game in a very creative way. He was a big time player, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and. Uh... You know, uh, talking about different positions, and I saw some video about 
um, Gilbert Arenas calling himself a hybrid guard, and I was like, man, that's <laughs> that's Gilbert though. Like he, he's a hybrid guard. Like it's crazy, but he was he was positionless, Bryce. And you know, I went to school in DC for well almost seven years. You know, high school and college. And Gilbert was at, at the peak at that point, and I loved watching the Wizards uh, just because of Gilbert. You know, the show he was putting on. And he was always like, well, he's not a point guard. He's, yep. shooting, he's not a shooting guard. Like, he got so much criticism, like Russell Westbrook is getting right now, basically. Yep. Because, yeah. For not fitting in a mold, and a mold that's like what? Like, point guard shooting off small four, power four. Like, w- w- what kind of power forward am I, for example? Yeah. You know what I'm talking no, about? No, for like, sure. No, absolutely. You know, like, it, I, I shoot like five, six threes a game. So it really, that's why I'm fascinated about Rashad coming on this and like explain to us because it really resonated with me. I was like, okay, that makes a ton of it, sense. Yeah, like, it, it hurts people's draft stock. It hurts people's recruitment when you can't just say, you can't you can't put them into a box. And, and I'm sorry not to call out other sports, but in football, you can do that. If a dude's a quarterback, he's a quarterback. If he's a receiver, he's a receiver. Maybe he's a slot or an outside, you know, whatever. There's a little bit. In baseball, it's the same thing, Vlad. He's either a pitcher or a first baseman or a left fielder or whatever. In basketball, the way, especially the way it's played now, and it doesn't matter what how tall you are or whatever, we need to get rid of some of these point guard shoot. You know, and I know we talk that way because that's the way we grew up, but it, it's fascinating stuff. Absolutely, like Jokic calling him a center. I'm like, well, I think a center. I think I think Akeem Olajuwon and yeah. Shaq and Ben yeah. Wallace, and, and that's not what he is, guys. And I'm, when I think Jokic, I'm like, well, he doesn't fit that mold, you know. Nope. So it's, it, just make sure you tune in. It's going to be a special episode, probably like midweek, and uh, we really look forward to this. But Bryce, let's break down some of our guys, the three one three segment, and uh, we'll start with Jeremy Grant. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, so he signed the three-year, $60 million contract. And it's so funny to think back on this, Vlad, because it was overpaid. Everybody said he was overpaid whenever this contract um, was signed. And he's having a career year, and now it looks like he's definitely underplayed. He's the most improved player candidate. I don't know that he, that's. I don't know that he's going to win it. There's a lot, some other good candidates as well. And I, I gave this signing an A, A-. minus. I think Troy Weaver crushed it. It's a it's a great signing, and I know you're going to dive into this a little bit. I think the final piece of this is finding out whether Jeremy's a three or a four. What's Where is he better suited? Is Jeremy the number one scoring option? Is the number two scoring option? But he's shown to be a three-level scorer and been a great pickup for us. Absolutely, and I love the signing from the get-go. Uh, my comparison for him was Kyle Leonard, and... The reason why I went back to all these comparisons, uh, Bryce, the whole time, like, um, you know, Frank with Jason Terry, it really made me think the way we signed guys last summer. And I looked at Casey and his resume, and he really had his own style of play in Toronto, and he never backed away from it. You know, like, Valanciunas was there, and we signed Plumlee, and it was, um, you know, he had the Rosen at that point, but, um, you know, Kyle Lowry, and... He always had this this certain style of play, and um, to me, that's what it looked like. It looked like we signed Jeremy Grant to fit that um, Ka- Kawhi mold. Okay, uh, Casey didn't get to coach him, but um, yeah, it really it really seemed that way to me. And I feel like we're we're building that way. You know, we're building where we have multiple guys that are I don't know number one options, but maybe we're trying to have more number twos. Maybe we have four number twos instead of having a one and two, you know, number one option. So I think Jeremy Grant, uh, he's by far my favorite signing. Uh, I I don't, I think we need a leader. And to me, that's the only issue that I see with him. He's not vocal enough. And that's another reason why I compare him with Kawhi. And I'll be honest, I don't have enough information on Kawhi as a leader. As far as other than... You know, as a vocal leader, you know, like we, 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 cause, because when we think of leaders, usually we think of Chris Paul right now. If, if, if I have to name one leader in the NBA, it's, it's the first Paul. name that comes up to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Like last, the last two years, there's like, and before that, I was like, oh, I don't care about Chris Paul. You know, he doesn't win. He doesn't. And the last two years, it's been eye opening as far as like what a leader, like how much, how good of a leader he is. And to me, that's one thing that he doesn't seem to be vocal enough. And I really wonder. And we'll dive into Kate Cunningham because I feel like the next guy we draft or we sign, at some point, he has to be a leader. Yeah. So, 
Okay, so you bring up the leader, I bring up the number one scoring option. So I'm just going to put those two things together into one word. Is he an alpha? I don't see alpha, and this isn't a knock on Jeremy Grant, but he's not the alpha. He's not the alpha dog on the team. We talked about this with the Wizards. Um, he's not uh, a killer. Yeah, he's not a killer. The, the Wizards, even though Bad, Bradley Beal scores all the points, Russell Westbrook is the alpha, and you know he's the alpha. You know, it's whenever KD went to Golden State, who was going to be the alpha? LeBron is always the alpha. All that. I don't think the Pistons have an alpha on their team right now. So when you refer to a number one option, Bryce, is it more an alpha or like a number one scorer? So whenever I refer to, whenever I'm just talking about a number one option, I'm talking about just a score. So the Wizards are the easiest comparison. And it's it's funny because as I think about it, um, I think about my AU teams I played on. Mercer, Derek Mercer was the alpha. Garrison Carr was the score. So for the Wizards, it's the same. Russell Westbrook is the alpha. But Bradley Bill is the number one scoring option. That's how I look at it. So that if, if people are confused on what I'm saying, that's kind of how I would break it down for you. Okay, and that makes sense. That's like, uh, you know, Booker and Chris Paul. Just another example. Absolutely. Yes, and, perfect. You know, and I think then by those standards, I think that Jeremy Grant can be a number one option. Agreed. But, but we will need at some point an, an alpha. We will need that leader. Yes, uh, agreed. I'm, I, I can live with that. Yes. And we, we can refer to like the older Pistons teams, you know, like uh, Tayshaun Prince wasn't your your leader. You know, Chauncey was that leader and Rashid was, was that vocal leader. So uh, it, it doesn't have to be your number one option. It doesn't have to be your leader. And uh, like, but I do think he has that potential. I think, I really think that this summer is really going to be uh, crucial for him as far as like how he comes back next year. Because he'll be the focal point of, of defensive all year long next year. And this year, maybe first part, he took him by surprise because they didn't know what to expect of him and he was ready for it. You know, he so he needs to elevate his game again and again because that's what, you know, that's what number one options do. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to just shoot, catch and shoot and, you know, have his time, you know, take his time and all that stuff. So I feel like he's going to be more isolations, more of that stuff. So um, we'll see how that. Uh, you know how, how that plays out and uh let's head to our second player today mason plumley do i need to say what i think bryce <laughs> I, you're not gonna let me go first you let me go first on jeremy grant i figured you'd let me go first on my boy mason plumley like I mean, i'll let you go, go go ahead bryce i'll so, let you so go first on plumley, plumley signed a three-year 25 million dollar contract statistically vlad he's had a very good year great player for the money all right i'm giving him all i'm giving him his his love that he is due Okay, I do think there's some offensive deficiency in terms of shooting the ball, which creates spacing issues. But you cannot, you can't take away what what he brings to the table, the intangibles, and as you point out all the time, the contract that he's on. Okay, the stats love him defensively. We could nitpick some things here and there, but they say he's a good de- defensive player. I don't know what his future is, honestly, Vlad. Um, Especially with Stewart, if we get Mobley, that complicates things even more. I give this a solid B, B plus. I think this was a really good signing by Troy Weaver. He's done what he's supposed to do. I don't think he's here whenever we're like you know another three or four years. But I think he stays on the team maybe through the life of his contract or gets traded right before the end of it. Yeah, and um, you know I've, I've been sold on, on him. You know he's a great screen, a high IQ player. That's that's what I saw him when I was doing some video analysis uh, right before uh, when we started this, this show, Bryce. And um, I really thought it was a pairing with Hayes because he needed like more of a veteran center, uh, you know, to kind of talk him through stuff. You know, just to pick a roll, maybe you know, hey, you know, let's say the side pick and roll defender tries to ice him or go on there. You know, he can try to explain him some stuff, and the way he sets the screen might might get Hayes free uh, free up a little bit. And uh, to me, that was the pairing, and uh, I've been impressed uh, by Plumley. But I've been equally or more impressed by Stewart. So the way I see this play out, Bryce, is Plumley starts next year. And at some point they could flip-flop. I can see Stewart starting and Plumley off the bench, or I could just see Plumley starting whole three years and Stewart playing a little bit more minutes. Especially crunch time minutes, especially big time minutes. You know, when games on the line, I feel like Stewart's gonna be in there more. Uh, because he can make more defensive plays, uh, he can switch more, and uh, if he develops a three-point shot, that's something that Plumlee I don't think can develop at this point in his yeah. career. So, 
You would be happy then by the end of next year if we're looking at, at Isaiah Stewart playing 28 minutes a game, Mason Plumley playing, what would that leave? 20 minutes a game. No matter which, I, I think that's perfect. And I no think matter that, that's which one Plumlee starts. It here. doesn't matter which one starts. Exactly. And I think that's why Plumley is here for the long run because he's on a cheap contract. Yeah. He, again, so, yeah. That can, that can make him by year three, you know, backup. And then if we don't have another backup center after three years – he can stay two more years then, you know, for like even less money. And he still brings um, some of the stuff that he brings, you know, they're not going to be affected by age, by losing athleticism. No, for sure. Because the stuff that he does is really, uh, you know, like I said, Grace Kiernan, high Q. He can make plays. He can pass the ball. So it's the same thing. Like Jokic can't jump at all. And it's not going to affect his career forever. And it's going to be the same with Plumlee. You know, if he makes those passes, he makes those reads, he can play 18 minutes a game, 19, 20 minutes. He can, he can give you those minutes as a backup, especially when he plays as a backup later on in his contract where he faces, um, you know, not as good centers. Let's yeah, put it that second, way. Unit fi- second unit players. Exactly. exactly. So I think I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really good signing. Uh, but, you know, I've been... Uh, I've been adamant about him starting and this and that, but the way Stewart is is developing at this point, I have to be honest, I don't think Plumlee can start for the next three years or play starter minutes. Sure, exactly. Yeah, that, and that's but, what's important. Absolutely. And overall, overall, it's been a very good signing. And then um, uh, our third uh, player today, uh, you know, on a two-year deal, our own Detroit guy, Josh Jackson, um, I'll let you go first because he's a KU guy. You know, I let you go first all the time now, Bryce. He's a, he's a KU guy. Uh, you know, he's he's our own Detroit guy, but he went to to KU, yeah, so, so, uh, so lo- you watch yeah. him closely. Yep, he's got connections both ways. So you know, he signed a two year, ten million dollar contract, and I'll be honest, Vlad, um, it kind of went under the radar. And I think early on we weren't super sure what that it was going to move the needle a whole lot. And then I think as we saw preseason games and stuff play out, we thought he might. You know, we talked about him possibly being the leading scorer coming off the bench, just because we didn't see this explosion from Jeremy Grant. You know, and I do think he is our second leading scorer right now behind Jeremy Grant. So it's not like we are super far off. I think we both kind of have the same thoughts on him. He's a little bit inconsist- inconsistent. Um, but he has resurrected his career this year in his hometown, as you mentioned. I, I don't know what the future holds, Vlad, because of the Hami Diallo trade, Frank Jackson, all these moving pieces. This offseason will be fascinating, but he's on a crazy good contract, so I don't see us moving on from him um, this offseason. I, I, th- I think we see him and Diallo kind of fight it out next year to see which one stays long-term. I gave the signing a, another B, B+. Plus. I think it was a high upside, really not a whole lot of risk other than the money, and it's turned out again another one of those that worked in Troy Weaver's favor. Well, I'll take Josh Jackson over Hamid Diallo any day, honestly. Maybe I'm a little biased because he's uh, he's our own, and um, but I'll take him because he can guard. He's obviously six eight, shooting guard, small forward, maybe power forward. Is in some crazy scenarios? He's having yeah. a career here, Bryce. Vlad, He's averaging thirteen point six points per game. Vlad, if he can play the four a little bit off the bench, I think that is like whichever one of those guys that could do that. All of a sudden, we talk about lineup versatility. Like I like those guys at the four, just because they're not great shooters. So I think then you can plug in a, a, a three man or somebody in that three spot or, or with that lineup that can shoot it. So if they have a little position versatility there, I like it. Yeah, and to everyone that might think we're crazy, we're throwing out this this lineup with so these guys the four. Um, the post up is a is a long on art unless uh, unless you're playing the Blazers and they're going to post up Carmelo in the mid range. Uh, you know, I don't. Uh, maybe KD still post up in the mid range. Uh, LeBron every now and then. But really, not many guys are posting up in that mid range that can ISO you or back you down like Zach Randolph used to do uh, with the Grizzlies. You know that when they play that grit and grind stuff, it's it's really you can hide guys at the four defensively and switch everything and really create chaos for the offense by switching everything. You know you can switch off ball and on balls. You can switch only on ball screens. So it gives you so much versatility. I can see him. You know he's six eight. Okay, he's he has the length to to, to you know to play the two three four. So, uh, you know, why not? And um, I would keep him. I, feel, I thought it was a great signing. And, uh, you know, just for, based off these three guys, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving Weaver an A+. Plus just, just based off these three guys. And uh, some worth mentioning, Bryce, he's shooting um, almost 
okay, almost 32 um, from from three. So um, that's not bad at all. No, honestly, it, it's, he's he can, like he's, he's just streaky. Yeah, he's right on the brink of being respectable. You know, like it's just right under that. You know, if he could leave. You're right, though. He's just streaky. And so, yes, so so these were the three major free agent signings, and you're right, Vlad. Like, I know they don't – by my grades, it doesn't add up to, but the sum of the parts, to me, adds up to an A-plus this year in free agency for Troy Weaver. Absolutely. But the only thing that's worth mentioning about Josh, he's still young, right? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we talked we talked about him taking bad shots, you know, th- just the judgment stuff, really because you take that out of his game – He's he, he's great. He's not very good. He's great. So I think I I don't think I hope with age some of those bad decisions, bad shots mainly, you know, bad drives, you know, one against three. He has sometimes this crazy like fast break. I'm like, okay, you can calm down now. You know, <laughs> watching the game, I'm like, come on. Yeah. And I love his confidence, but at some point I think he's going to make those those good decisions. So I, I'm going to pull the ball back now. I'm not going to go, you know, one against two, try to split these guys with a Euro step or whatever it is. And to me, that's uh, that's really Josh taking his game to a next level. And I think he has that ability, and it's going to be very interesting because he plays this well next year. It's going to be us. Uh, it's going to be very tough for us to uh, to keep him long term. But talk about long term, Bryce. Uh, <laughs> Let's go to the first NBA draft player profile. This is another uh, part of the 3 on 3 segment you guys are going to have to get used to uh, from now on since there's not many games left in the season. And um, this week's focus, Cade Cunningham. The prize Bryce, of the draft. The franchise changer, <laughs> the whatever you want to call him. He, I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, by far the best prospect in the draft at this point. But I'll give you another hot take. I think Mobley might have more potential. I saw that on your notes, so I'm I'm interested. You, you go ahead. You 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 go ahead. You roll with that point, and and, and then I'll break down my, Kate Cunningham, what I see, and what I see is fit with Detroit. Well, uh, for Kate, it's very easy to break down, honestly, because he sees the three levels of pick and roll. For a six-eight guy, that's pretty amazing. You know, he can score, he can pass the screener, he can also punish the help side. Then he's high IQ. He plays like a vet. You know, has size, shooting, ball handling, passing ability. I mean, well, whatever you want from him, he has it at this point. Um, my take on the best prospect right now, yes, but I've seen Flash of Mobley, and I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not. Another comparison, but like I feel like, can he be KD but better? You so I know this is supposed to be Kate Cunningham. That's what I see from Mobley. Yeah, so I know this is supposed to be Kate Cunningham. So and was hoping maybe yeah. Evan Mobley next week. But yes, and our guy Richard Samen, who came on last week's episode. If you haven't listened to that and you're into the draft, go listen to that episode. But he talked about Mobley being more in that mold of like a a, a tall forward not a center like he taught he looks at him as like a wing with that skill set and not a center so i can see the upsides from that but here's my thing with kate cunningham like you said to me it's kate cunningham there's a little bit of a gap then it's mobley he's a playmaker Mm -hmm. he's a best he's a franchise chamber changer i think the reason people don't see it is because he doesn't have overwhelming athleticism and quickness but he has great size and length you mentioned six eight, seven foot wingspan. And here's the thing. Everybody goes, well, he can't play with hates. Yes, he can. He shot 40% from three on almost six attempts, Vlad. Like, he didn't have a great roster around him at Oklahoma State. He's an unselfish player, three-level scorer, all that stuff. And he can shoot the ball. So, you know, just because we draft Cade Cunningham doesn't mean Killian Hayes has to play off the ball. They can play together. We can stagger minutes when necessary. And then not all the pressure is on Killian Hayes. So I love, I think it's a great fit. And Vlad, you talk about position versatility. There's no player in the draft that we can get better versatility than Cade Cunningham. I mean, mean, Bryce, he's 6'8", and he he can do it all. And... uh, yeah, for me, it's it's. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You have the first pick. You take Kate Cunningham uh, because there's not many franchise changers um, in this in this draft, and uh, he's clear number one because he's gonna give you the instant return. I think, you know, he's he's gonna give you that Lamelo Ball return. Um, whereas 
you know, your your team becomes better right off the bat. You know, it's not like a one, two year development period. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. It's um, uh, to me, I don't understand why he would not be able to play with Killian Hayes, um, especially when you have a coach uh, that likes to play with two guards. He likes a two guard front. He likes two ball handlers. So, um, you know, but again, that. It's it's not about Kate playing with Killian. It's it's the problem. It's it's Killian shooting. I feel like yeah. no, that, that that for sure that that's what Killian. But you can say that with some of these other guys as well. I mean, in general, if Killian's going to become the player we want him to, his shooting's going to have to get better. And by no means am I saying you just put him in the corner and let Cade go to work. But I, I do think they can they can work together. You can you can design some fun sets and and plays for them to play off of each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I can see Cade Cunningham being like down the road being the MVP of this league, being one of those guys that's that's just like that. So uh, I mean, I, I I would not pass on him. You know, I would certainly not pass on him. If we get Cade Cunningham and everybody stays healthy, I don't care what else happens in the draft or free agency, unless something create we lose players crazily for some reason. Everybody that's under contract, like we're in the play-in game next year. I have no doubt in my mind that with Killian, Cade, Sadiq, Grant, Stewart slash Plumlee, and then the bench guys we have, Frank, JJ, Diallo, we are in the play-in games next year. I say we're a little bit above it. We could be. I say sixth. I say sixth. Okay. I can make that prediction right now. If we get Cade Cunningham and we sign some of these guys back, and maybe we add one smaller piece, one vet, one one more vet um, from the free agency, I can see us being sixth. Uh, I really, even avoiding the playing games. But again, we'll we'll, we'll see down the road. But uh, right now, let's head around the NBA, Bryce. Uh, some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, we'll we'll talk about injured players coming back. We'll talk about some playoff experience. You know, the Wizards. Uh, but first, let's talk the MVP race. And uh, I really want to see who's your top five right now because uh, with so many injuries and stuff, I wonder if if, if that has changed for you and. Uh, so I'll, who's, uh, who's, who's, who's your top five, but really, who's your MVP? Yeah, so I'll go five down. So I, I have Julius Randle as five, and it's funny that I'm the one putting him in there when you're the one that brought it up months ago. And, me, and, and you and made I me crazy. You're like, I, I feel like I was crazy. I told Richard that two months ago or two weeks ago that we laughed at you. Um, but I have Steph at four. Uh, there might be some bias there with me with Steph. You know he's one, my, one of my favorite players outside of Detroit. Um, you know, they've lost a lot of games, but I still have Steph at four. I have Giannis at three. I think it's a two person race, Joel Embiid two. But really, I think the Joker has, you know, I, I think this debate is pretty much over. I think Nikola Jokic is the MVP, and I think he's going to win it. Yeah, and uh, I'll start from the top. I got Jokic and B, Lucas, Steph, and Chris Paul in that order. Um, and, um, there's no way Jokic doesn't win this MVP Bryce. I just, I mean, as much as I want to debate here and argue with you and tell you this and that, like Luca has, you know, the career year that he's having, and yes, he's averaging what twenty eight, eight and nine, and I, I can give you all the stats. You know, Steph Curry's averaging uh, his highest point per, points per game. He came to the league. He's breaking all these records. And Chris Paul is doing what he's doing in Phoenix. You know, they just clinched uh, playoffs for the first time, I think, in eight or ten years. Um, so I can give you all this, but what Jokic has done this year, it's unreal to me, uh, especially coming from a guy that is not athletic at all. Really, that that's that's why it's like so much shocking to me. This is the way he does it and how easy he, he, he makes it look, you know. And uh, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that he's gonna win it. And in my case, and I really want. Do you think he's gonna be the second unanimous MVP? I, I don't think he'll be unanimous. I and mean, that's to me that's you where don't more, think so? no. I think that's where more of the debate is. Is you know, you and I have vastly different after the top two. Um, and, and I think some other people will sneak in and get some votes. 
But Jokic is second in PER, first in win shares per 48, first in victory, victory over replacement by a landslide. But here's my favorite stats about Jokic. Because if, if people were going to give one knock on Jokic, what would it be? What end of the floor? Defense. Fifth in defensive win shares, seventh in defensive plus minus. That's, that's, that's pretty crazy because... Because that's everybody's that's, argument, that's right? Knock him. Yeah. That, that's the knock. And, and these, again... We don't need to get into the stats debate. I realize they don't show everything, but these aren't this. These are a little more in depth stats. They mean something. He can't be the worst defensive player in the year of, in the league with fifth and seventh in win shares and plus minus. So there's a little bit of defense going on there. At the very least, he's a part of a good defensive unit, and he's not a you know a liability. Yeah, exactly, and. Uh... What about no, Chris please, Paul? Can, can you make a, a, an argument for Chris Paul? I'm sorry. We'll, we'll talk about Chris Paul later. That's okay. I, I just Chris Paul is fascinating to me. So let's move on. We'll we'll talk about Chris Paul when we get well, to that. We'll, we'll talk about yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about Chris Paul in uh, like five minutes since we're gonna talk about um, you know the Suns uh, lack yeah. of flex experience. Then we'll, yeah. talk, we'll, we'll we'll talk and I'll yeah. make more argument for Chris okay. Paul. Okay, right yeah, there, there you go. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But now Bryce. There's so many injuries going on this year, and uh, some are brutal. Uh, some are, I guess, uh, just uh, some smaller injuries. Let's say that that way. But what is your thoughts on all these guys returning? You know, and how is that going to affect chemistry for a team like the Lakers, for the Nets? Uh, because to me, those are the biggest teams that have. Um, you know, they're going to have big issues, bigger than, you know, like a Donovan Mitchell. But these two are really huge for me. So so I'm actually going to go, I'm going to counter, like, I don't worry about the Lakers at all. The, the word on, So we're recording this on Friday because of the Rashad Phillips epi- special episode where a couple days early, the reports are out that LeBron may play tonight, Friday night, April 30th. Um, I'm not as worried about that. They played together last year, vets. I'm worried about the Nets because those guys have barely played together at all. But I am worried about the Jazz, Vlad. And it's because I feel like that is such a system that, that it's, it relies on chemistry and flow and cohesiveness and all of that stuff. And when you take the best offensive player out of that for a little while, now other guys are in different roles, Like sometimes you can lose that. So... I'm interested if he's just able to plug right back in there and we see them, this high-octane offense, you know, that's clicking on all cylinders like they were in the middle of the year. So I don't, I think that's a little bit under the radar there for the Jazz. Let me just put my Skip Bayless hat on real quick. Oh, Lord. Talking about LeBron James. (laughs) Bryce, I just saw him on Instagram the other day. He's limping. And let alone LeBron hasn't had injuries. And coming back from injury... That's actually something that without practice, like if you don't get injured enough and you get injured like only two times in your whole career, he has two injuries in his whole career, Bryce. It's not going to be so easy for him. It's not going to be easy for him. Now, I'm not saying about the Lakers, but for him, it's going to be very tough. And if you think he's not going to be rusty, and I'm not sure two weeks it's enough because that team is in a hole right now. Honestly, I don't... Well, the, the, I don't, the thing with them, though, is they're going to end up in the fifth seed and they're going to get the Nuggets first round, which is kind of a blessing in disguise with the, you know, unfortunate injury to Jamal Murray. I mean, are they going to... Are you sure they're going to be the fifth seed? Because I can see him dropping the playing game. And I've said this like two weeks ago. To it's just two games now, isn't then? it? Yeah. It's two games. And it's the Blazers and the Mavericks right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I don't the, know. You're right. It's not set in stone yet. You're right. So I don't know, Bryce. And then as far as um, okay, um, Harden, and I, I had a special question for Harden, but I'll just dig this. I'll, I'll dig into this right now. There's no substitute for James Harden. You gave up half of your team for him. So to, to me, I, I love KD and Kyrie, but without one of those guys – I would say the only one that can miss out those three and this team still has a chance could be Kyrie. But without Harden, they don't have a chance. Without KD and Harden and Kyrie on the floor and KD 
injured, they don't have a chance. And Katie, Katie has bowel injury already. Harden has been dealing with this hamstring injury that I don't know when he comes back, really. And they don't have a big man. Okay, Johnson had a monster game last night, right? He had 2020. Um, but they don't really have a two big man, so... It's concerning. Okay, you can't rely on that. And Harden is that unique offensive weapon that can get you out of trouble in playoff games. It can get you out of trouble at any time in the game because he's a walking triple-double with 50 points scored if he wants to. So they're not winning. To me, uh, they're going to hit the Miami Heat, the Cel- even the Celtics, uh, the, the Bucks. The, I'm not even going to go into the Bucks and 76ers. It, that's so tough. I don't see them coming out of the East without Harden. And uh, just touching Donovan Mitchell, too, uh, before we dive in the Suns. Um, they've been playing together for too long, Bryce. And to, to me, that's the thing. Like, they know when Donovan Mitchell comes back, they know their roles. So I feel like it's going to be easier for some guys than, you know, like Harden coming back to the Nets where they have no idea. It's really not the first year of together. it. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, uh, they're, they're there. You know what? That's Donovan Mitchell team on the offensive end. Now, I don't see him having trouble unless Donovan Mitchell is not going to be 100%. And then, then he can, you know, if he needs more of the other guys, I don't know how ready some of those guys are. Other than Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Mean, He's bucket. having a fabulous year. <laughs> that's that's a six minute of the year. That's, He's a bucket. That, that's a bucket. Yeah, exactly. That's a bucket right there. So um, that's why I'm not so worried about the Jazz. But talking about the Western Conference, they can't be worried about the Suns. What, what's your take, Bryce? Because right now, you know, my question was that I, when I was uh, we were trading notes back and forth for this episode, my thing was I really want to talk about the Wizards and the Suns. And um, it was about the playoffs for both those teams, you know. And for the Suns, it was the lack of playoff experience. That was just, like, eye-popping to me because, okay, they, they closed out the season very well in the bubble. You know, 8-0, eight, eight I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly. But did, yeah, yeah but, eight, but it didn't get them to the playoffs still. That was like the... It, it didn't, but they... So they closed out the season on a good note last year, and they came out with some head of, uh, you know, with steam and uh, CP3 behind them. Um, but they don't have playoff experience at all, honestly. So how do you think being a second seed too, because, okay, they can drop a little bit, but either way, they're going to be a top four seed. How do you see that affecting them, the lack of playoff experience? Yeah, I, I just, I think in general, and I'm sure somebody would be able to prove me wrong and show me where it hasn't happened, but in general, usually you fail on the big stage before you win it. So like you lose in the conference championship game and then you come back and win the NBA championship the next year, you know, and they just haven't done that yet. They haven't been on this stage before. You know, I could see them struggling the first couple games of the first round and then winning that series. And then you're in a dog. I mean, you're going to be a dogfight in the first round of the Western conference, but then you get to the, you know, the semifinals and let's say you match up against the Lakers who have been there before or the Clippers who have been there before. And now I think that stuff starts to play a factor. Here's what I will say about Chris Paul specifically one. He's undervalued. He's underappreciated because, because he's never won a championship and it's wrong and it's unfair. And again, I know we've name dropped a lot, but I know Rashad Phillips has strong, feelings and I, I would love to hear those on Tuesday but he's leading a team that's never been there before so this could really be a legacy cementing postseason for CP3 Vlad he takes these dudes I know they're talented but he takes these guys who have never been there before and gets them to an NBA finals you know Jay Crowder's about the only guy with playoff experience on that roster that would be a huge notch in his cap for CP3 Bryce he's 35 years old he is arguably one of the best leaders that I've seen in, in you know 33 years of my life, and since you know since 0506 when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, yeah, or junior high school, that's when he he started his career in the league. Uh, he's been an unbelievable leader. Um, interesting stat about him: I mean, Did you know he's the third most defensive win shares all time by a player six one or shorter? <laughs> That's a very interesting stat uh, I found about him. And uh, he is, he's special, Bryce. But I go, I got goosebumps when he said, like, he could take him to finals or 
to, to me, just imagine the legacy and the knock on him. You know, he's not a winner, he, and he is a winner to a certain level. Yes. He hasn't won the NBA. He, he makes has, every team better, Vlad. Exactly. He just hasn't won a ring, and I think that's that's. And I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. You know, like if he wins it with Phoenix, and to me, it's like the. Mount Everest yeah. because oh, it, they don't have playoff experience. It would send and, him into a stratosphere he's not close to, unfairly isn't close to right now. But this is my problem. Like, everybody wants the regular season to matter, but then as fans, we never reward regular season winning. We just discount it if you don't win in the playoffs. So, like, I feel like we want it both ways. Care about the regular season. Go win games. Make it matter. But if you only win you know, only make your team better in the regular season and then maybe fall short in the playoffs, oh, well, you were a failure. So, like, we can't have it both ways. He has gone to every single organization and won, made the team better. There's a stat, there's a graphic on Twitter. I've retweeted it. Go find it. The guy wins. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and we we saw this, uh, you mentioned this, but we saw this with the Bucks lately, right? And, the lack of playoff experience and how that cost them, no matter how good Giannis was, no matter how good they were, it's just a different uh, level of intensity of, of uh, X's and O's uh, and how teams prepare that you can't really teach that. It's always a baptism by fire, the playoffs. It's, it's always been like that. And uh, that's why I think their, their chances are slim. Um, as far as maybe, I would say they would pass the first round because they are top 10 on both ends of the floor, Bryce, and they're top three defense in non-garbage time. And I think that defense is going to come pay off in the playoff time. I'm just not sure it's good enough to get them even to the Western Coast, uh, Coast Conference Finals. And um, I don't I don't see him going past that. I, I think one win, uh, you know, one round winning the first round of playoffs would be a good season for them overall. But I don't see him going forward. And uh, as far as... Um, my case for CP3 as an MVP is mostly because of um, just turning around teams and leading them. Uh, it's it's more so than stats, you know. And when we think about the MVP, it's always to me it's about the most valuable player. And you take that player from the team, and it's, it's been the same with Russell in that triple double year. And I'm all about picking from the best teams possible. And right now, you can make the argument for Chris Paul because Phoenix is second. But um, in general, you know, I mean, to, to me, when it comes to the MVP, it's like you take that one guy off that team, it's like how good is that team? And to me, you take Chris Paul of this Phoenix team, which is a very good Phoenix uh, Suns basketball team, I just, I, I think they're in the playing game. And right now, they're, they're very solid. I mean, they're guaranteed top four. And they're probably going to be one or two seed. And we talked about CP3 closing out the Clippers the other night, getting the MVP chance. Uh, he does, you know, he might not, his stats might not be eye-popping as far as like 25, 10, and 10. But he gets, he, he makes the big plays and he leads. And that's why, to me, I, I would put him in the MVP race. Uh, even though I thought, I don't think he's going to be there. It was just my personal, my personal choice. Well, Bryce, uh, you've done a quick video breakdown on the Wizards too, um, and and a Russ on uh, and right now, how dangerous are the Washington Wizards come playoff time? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they've hit their stride. I think Russ has found his game. I think they've again they've figured out Russ is the alpha, Bradley Beal's the scorer, and so those two guys together make you nervous. And I did do that quick little breakdown and. Man, Russell Westbrook expends a lot of energy, Vlad. Like, people can say whatever they want oh about gosh. his rebounds, his assists. Like, just the fact he's able to grab 18 rebounds and get 14 assists in a random game on any given night, just the energy to do that, regardless of anything else, is a lot. So, he, it just, it's just amazing. And the emotion he plays with after every assist and dunk and everything else. But, so my thing is, could they knock off an injured Brooklyn team, you know, if Harden isn't healthy? Could they knock off a struggling Philly team where Embiid misses a couple games because of injury? Maybe. Like, I could see that possibly happening. But if either, I think those are the two teams they're probably going to end up having to play. So I don't think they're beating either of those teams if they're full strength and healthy. Yeah, my, my thoughts for them was just to get to play the Nets or the you know, or the 76ers. I can see that I for can, sure. I, I can see them doing that, you know. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned about Russ, and um, I don't think anybody can imagine 
that hasn't played basketball to a certain level, how hard it is to get up for every single game of the season? Right. Like, how hard it is for the Wizards, and no knock on anybody, um, let's say they go play the Timberwolves, and, you know, he's Russ is going to find that motor. He's going to find that energy, even though it might be a back-to-back, and they just played with the Clippers in L.A. He'll find that energy with the Timberwolves, the same energy he had night before against one of the best teams in the league. And that's where I give him a ton of credit because the, the mental side of the game, I think people really don't look that deep and it's like, oh, you know, he gets his triple doubles and they're empty triple doubles. And you made a really good point that I never really thought about. You know, everybody boxing out, he gets the rebound and he passes the ball. You, you made a great point in your video breakdown. You know, you guys should go check it out. And uh, he gets a rebound and just quick outlet right ahead. And you, really that saves you, you know, one, one second, one and a half seconds that get, that can get you that open layup on the other, the one on zero on the other side because your point guard got the rebound. And that's something that I never thought about, you know. I thought it was just being selfish of, okay, he's coming to get a rebound. But that can be also like a strategy defensively where, okay, let, let Russ come in and get it. And then he can push up the floor real quick. And uh, the, the only thing about the Wizards, uh, uh, Bryce, that I want to go back to is, since February 28th, you know they're the 10th best defense in the league. Their opponents are shooting 33% from three compared to 385 before that. And one, one stat that was really eye-popping to me, the first part of the season, teams were shooting six, over 60% against them in the paint. And remember when I said at some point that Bradley Beal was so unhappy that he needed to trade him? Yeah. And we had yeah. this conversation yeah. about at some point. Yeah, and they were so bad defensively, Bryce. And what's crazy is I started like, when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, and I found out that they really changed their lineup starting February, and they have Gafford, Len, Lopez, and Len on the floor at at least 80 to 82% of the time, almost every game since February. And uh, prior to that, they had Mo, uh, Mo Wagner on the floor. You know, he's a U of M guy. Love the kid, but it's not the same presence center as, as Lopez or Leonard Gafford. So, like, to me, that's also a big part of their success. Okay, Russ being Russ, Russ figuring out how to cooperate with Bradley Beal. But it's also the defensive presence. And as much as the center position is gone or the rim protector, it's there. It's, it's why we love Isaiah Stewart. Gafford's been amazing since he went to Washington, Vlad. 13 games. Absolutely. He only plays 18 minutes a game, averages almost 11 points and two block shots. So you talk about, you know, and I've seen some highlights, you know, with him where he's, you know, him and Russ have, have developed a good chemistry for him to finish plays. But then if he's also protecting the rim, you know, two blocks in 18, you know, in 18 minutes a game is, that's a lot of blocks. That's a lot of rim protection. Yeah, absolutely, Bryce. And I think, uh, you know, their their pace right now is 103.9. That's the first in the league. Oh, yeah. You could tell it whenever I broke down the highlights. I loved it. It made me want to see Killian Hayes play at that pace because they go and they go and they go and they don't have to run a lot of stuff in the half court because Russ is just always putting pressure on the defense. And they have the fifth best offense in the league. They score one. Four. So they're a very dangerous team because you can't really, you know – I mean, you can't put a price on that. They have the shooting that it takes. And uh, I know I made a mistake when I said they're going to be like a top five or top 16, whatever I said uh, in the preseason. If they would have figured it out earlier, though, they would have been yeah. there. Well, and they had to, <laughs> so, you know, don't, you know, Thomas Bryant got hurt early. You know, Russ oh, comes. Oh, that hurt them. Yeah. That really hurt and them. And Russ right. comes into town, and he's, again, not to, like, he say this. He was hurt a little bit. Yeah, and, and he has this personality, this big person. It took a little while for them to figure things out, but it sounds like it is. And you're right. Like, you're telling me that there's not a game. You know, what if Bradley Bill just goes bananas for back-to-back games, has two 40, 50-point games? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that stuff always happens in the playoffs, but they're a team that that could scare you a little bit. Could they beat Indiana and then beat probably Charlotte to get into that eight seed? They definitely could. And then, again, what if, what if Brooklyn's not healthy? You, exactly. That's all I was thinking. I was like, if Brooklyn doesn't have the th- the three guys on the floor and they're they're missing one of them, oh, that's tough. That's a dog fight. going to be. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Oh man, oh that's gonna be special for <laughs> for Westbrook. It's gonna be different. So that that's a team that's very dangerous and something something to watch and worth mentioning. And just 
if you just want to watch some extra games other than the the Pistons, go watch the Wizards a little bit because the pace is, is awesome. Yep. And uh, it's exciting basketball. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, I thought this was a really good episode. We had a ton of fun, but we have a really big episode coming out, guys. Make sure you tune in that one. Shaw Phillips, the Yoda coming to to, to our show. Uh, we're Bryce and I are super excited about it. And if you have any questions for, yes, for yes, him, yes, send them in. Uh, yeah, shoot us, uh, you know, a DM on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, we're there. A uh, quick reminder: uh, Bryce has been starting to do some breakdowns since last week, and you'll find those very updated on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, we post, on, and on Instagram, we post once per day. Uh, but Bryce does it right after the game, and uh, make sure you uh, check that out. Also, he live tweets during the games uh, most of the time. So uh, make sure you give us a follow at Motor City Hoops on Instagram, uh, Motor on uh, Twitter, uh, Motor City Hoops Show on Instagram, and uh, Motor City Hoops on Facebook. And uh, don't forget, send us your questions. Right, Bryce. We we want to hear from them. We're all over Twitter every day. Yeah, let it let us know. I, I again, shoot us a DM, tweet at us, whatever you want. Let us know about the show. Are there topics you like? Did you like the new topics in the three one three as we move in kind of to the end of the season? Um, let me know about those videos. Let Vlad and I know if you like those. Which ones are better? Which ones you kind of could do you know do without? And then especially we can't. I know we've talked about it a lot, but we're pumped about having Rashad Phillips. Like Vlad said, the Yoda coming on this week. And send us any questions you may have for him. Absolutely. And uh, also, send us some like video requests too. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like, hey, we want to see this. We want to see that. And uh, we'll, we'll try to get it done for you guys. I'll start doing those soon too uh, to help Bryce out. So uh, just make sure you tune in. Don't forget, next week... Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to have a special episode, special guest. Uh, Make sure you tune in. And then, uh, as he would say, talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.